Amen. Amen. All right. Turn to Psalm 23. For the last time. We're going to read the first verse, and then you're going to tell me about it in one sentence or so. Ready? First verse. Psalm 23, are you there? Yes. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What do we know about it? He's my shepherd. Which okay. Means <laughs> right, yes. He guides us. We willingly say that he's our shepherd. We willingly say he's our shepherd. And he gives us everything we need, so we don't it, like we may we may want something, but we don't shut it. We don't. So what do the sheep know about the shepherd? How do the sheep know the shepherd? Because he takes care of them. By his name. Voice. Voice. They they know him by his voice, right? My sheep know me. I call them by my voice, right? Okay. I shall not want when he takes care of all things. All right. Verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. It's like the same thing as the last one, except it gives a few examples. Okay, all right, all right. Well, specifically, lay down in green pastures. Oh, it's peace. You feel safe enough and comfortable enough to be able to lay down, lie down and, and not worry about it. And, like, put yourself in a vulnerable situation. Like, All right. No fear. Because remember, they needed they needed things to be able to lay down. They needed peace, right? No friction. No friction amongst those around them, right? And they needed to make sure uh, that full. they full, were full and not hungry. Yep. So the green pastures. He leaves me beside the still waters. We know about that. Oh, he gives you water. Good water. Good water. Because if it was rapid, they would probably just. Okay. <laughs> All right. He like brings you to it. Like he, you have you. I mean, you have to work for things. Right. He's like, not going to be like, well, find it yourself. Because if you do that, if you're a sheep, you're going to go find a um, tainted puddle. He finds a good supply. Okay. Verse number three. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Um, what do you know about that? He restores my soul, leads me in paths of righteousness. See, this is the verse I had last time. And Okay, <laughs> all right. Yay! Restores your soul, yes, okay, so. <laughs> he makes it like new again because it's wild. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Like Jesus died on the cross and he was dead, and then when he rose, he was like new. He was new. He wasn't okay. dead anymore. All right. And what is. Why he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake? Um. He's gonna put, try to put you in the right way, right? He's gonna so you can be like, to the right God path. did this for me, and He can do it for you. For his He's name. gonna help you get to the right path. Okay. Right. All right. Okay. For yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff they comfort me. Um. <laughs> 
Yes, it is. Yes. Okay, it is dark and cold. It's so, even though it's July. Okay. of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. We did the table part, I think. You did the table part. Yes, you did. Enemies does sheep have? Um, foxes and bears and mountain lions. Yes, they're natural. Lions and bears are mine. Right, they're natural predators, and so do we as Christians. Right, we have enemies. Who are our enemies? Satan. Satan's number one, or maybe um, not number one, but a big one. Okay, <laughs> bad people. Like, I yes. know a lot of things when they try to steer you off your path. Try to steer you off your path. Don't, don't want you to, uh, or anybody, to follow God. Okay, they're not interested in the shepherd whatsoever. They're interested in taking you out as a sheep. Okay, and you have a table. In other words, you have comfort, you have safety right in the midst of when all of those people are around you. You still are protected. All right? Uh, in the book of Job, it talks about Satan says, You put a hedge of protection around Job, and I can't get to him. All right? Satan is going all around looking oh, for a way yeah. in. To get to Job, but he, he can't get in because God says, you're not touching him. He's protected. Wait, I thought he wasn't allowed to kill him anyway. He yeah. had special permission to start and not to kill him, but him. first was only other things, oh, and then was to touch him then, personally. So it was peace at a time. As long as he didn't die. 
Yeah. All right. So we've gotten that far. Now let's read the remainder of that. After in the presence of mine enemies, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right. So first thing we're going to talk about is flies. <laughs> Sheep, particularly in the Middle East, but I think about anywhere, have fly issues, okay? And the reason I brought this deer skull is not because it is a sheep, but because without the horns, it is going to be very, very similar to a sheep skull. They are really almost identical. If you were to skin a sheep and look at a skull much like this, the idea is that you understand how this is put together. Now, if you have, like a deer or a sheep, similar animals in the way they're structured, their nose is out on the end here. Okay? It's, describe their nose. It's moist. Moist. Yes. It's, it's like cartilage. No. So it's all cartilage. So you see here, there's no bone under it, right? But there's cartilage. There's cartilage inside there. Yeah. Like your sucked up. And there's no hair. It's skin. It's like, like a rougher skin, like but it's kind of a leathery skin, but it's wet and moist. It has right? wrinkles. Have you ever touched the probably maybe you've touched the nose of your sheep? Yes. Okay. When you push it. Does it feel hard or squishy? Um, sort of squishy. Sort of squishy. Sort of. I don't like to touch your nose because they're usually very moist. And so, let me tell you what does like to touch their nose. Flies. There are flies. They're called nasal flies. <laughs> so they don't get infected and die. Mm -hmm. So, nasal flies come up and they like the warm, moist tip of the nose. And they will fly all around, and if they can sit just enough on the warm tip of the nose, they will lay their eggs on that warm tip of the nose. Gross, right? But that's not even as gross. It's like a little egg. It is much worse and much gross. Much grosser. Because off the tip of that warm nose, the eggs will sit and incubate because it's nice and warm and moist. And then they will hatch. And then there are little larvae. What's a larva? It's like a caterpillar, but... It's like a, yeah, it's a, like a maggot, kind of, right? Caterpillary, wormy type little thing, little tiny one. From their nice wet nose, they go right up into the nose cavity. <laughs> and that's why I brought this skull, because you can see up the nose cavity, how far can they go? Really to their brain. Almost all the way to their brain, but not quite as far to their brain. Their brain is actually up in this core up in here. But you can go all the way up in, and it's open. And even these are open their sinuses, right? These are all your sinuses. That's like what's open above your, you're structured the same way, okay? So they can crawl all up in here. They crawl way up in, and they burrow in to any flesh they can find. 
<laughs> so how are you liking these nasal flies so far? Not good. <laughs> as you can imagine, as they burrow in, they create irritation. And what does a sheep want to do when it feels irritated all through its head? Shake it out, rub it out, scrub it out, bang it out, anything it can. Whack its head on something, try to rub against trees, anything it can. And what does it do? Nothing, because it's all protected. Those worms are all up inside, burrowed inside. If it's let go, <laughs> you want to cover your nose, don't you? <laughs> if it's let go, how close is that to what if they burrowed up into here? Oh, your eyes. She could go blind. It is that close to being connected <laughs> to it if you let it go for too long. They can go blind. Well, you have to treat it at that point. Cut and kill and spray and do. So you want to not wait that long, right? And you may not be able to get them all out. Because how deep is that? Really? I mean, where would you go? You'd have to cut open and try to go up inside. And could you even get it out of there? I don't know. Is that like a mascara stick? <laughs> so that is one type of fly. So what happens for that fly? <laughs> He's screaming. So um, that fly has been an issue in the Middle East and throughout the world for a very long time. So what do they do? You put oil on it. Put oil on it. <laughs> okay. Oh my Anoint my head with oil. Uh, like a shepherd. Like David's a shepherd. He was anointed. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it right on the stage. So, they anoint with oil. Now, the very first thing I told you about a nasal fly. That is just one kind of fly. There are many kinds of flies, okay? And some are just irritating. The nasal flies, if you don't take care of them, get right up inside and really can cause damage, if not great irritation. If a sheep is irritated, they're going to just try to rub and scrub and do anything they can. And they probably aren't going to eat, right? Because what do sheep need to be to eat, right? They need to be calm. They need to be okay and rested, no friction, and healthy, right? And so they just don't. So again, these sheep, we've learned that they are really fickle animals, right? They need everything just so to survive. You don't see this with a wild bison, right? Bison might get flies, but they are big and tough and they figure it out. Even a deer. They don't need humans to come and help them through all their fly issues and all of that. They seem to be able to go through it. But sheep are different. Sheep need our help to get them through. And that's the point of it. They need tending. That's the whole point of Psalm 23. Just like sheep 
Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We need tending. We need tending to bring us back into place. We need tending to keep us on the path. We need tending to get rid of our issues and our attitudes. We need tending because we always need to feel full. And we need to feel calm. And we need to feel peaceful. And we need to feel everything. Just so. And the Lord is up to the challenge to help us through. All right? He is always up to the challenge to help us through, and he knows exactly what we need. So besides that nasal flies, okay, with all the nasty worms and all that, all the other flies, and they also get something called scab. Scab. Have you ever heard of something called scabies? Okay. (laughs) So scabies is a thing. Even if you talk about it, you itch and scratch, right? So essentially, it is sores that get passed around from person to person by being touched. So if somebody has scabies, I can get it? You could. If you were had enough contact with them. Well, scab is like that in that it is contagious amongst sheep. And sheep have to touch each other to do that, to get it. But sheep tend to be very social animals. They like to be together. They don't like it when they've been split up, especially if they've been together for a long time. They will put their heads together, rest their heads on one another, lay down next to each other, be next to each other at all times. They'll follow around in a flock. There will be a sheep oftentimes that's kind of the head of the area, right? And they'll all follow. They like to be together. So when this this scab gets into a flock, it can go throughout the flock quickly and can cause them irritation and pain and even to the point where they can die, okay? If if untreated to the extreme, okay? All of these things are these irritating things. If left alone, they can cause bigger consequences. They get deep inside. They are all coming to you from the surface. And so, long time ago, they used to mix oil with sulfur and spices. No. No. You can get sulfur in your water. You can sulfur. I mean, tastes bad. Smells bad. Doesn't hurt you. But it's not like dangerous. No. Nope. Sulfur and spices. Oil and sulfur and spices. They made a mixture up. Okay. And they would put that on their sheep's head, nose, face, all around. It would help with several things. It would help with these nasal flies keeping them off. Okay, the flies wouldn't come and land because they don't have that same moist thing. Now they've changed the spices, more modern and yet traditional type sheep have changed uh, those spices to tar. Now I don't mean like this great big black tar that they put on, but they mix it in with it and it keeps away things. So the question is, do you want a nasal fly or do you want that mixture on you. 
I go with a mixture, right? <laughs> I don't want anything crawling up into my nope. cavities up inside and living there and bothering me until I go blind. I do not want that. Okay, but all of these things are surface things, right? I told you that because that's important. And so, anointing their heads with oil. Now, they can go as far with the scab because they can get it all over their bodies. They usually start with their heads, but they can get it all over their bodies. They can go as far nowadays as dipping the entire sheep right in oil. Basically, they put it right in the mixture to stop because how else do you stop it? Right? It keeps spreading and spreading and spreading, and your whole flock's going to get it. So you dip them all. Now, I don't think in when David wrote this that you had tanks of oil to dip your sheep in, but I think it was much more manually put it on their heads, pour some of this on their heads, keep their faces, keep their everything clean, and keep it all oiled up so that we don't get these insects. Because insects don't need long. So you continually do this. All of these surface things that bother you continually do this. Continually. Every day, maybe. Daily, right? Often. Always do this. So, we see what happened. Now, let's translate this. I need you to go to Exodus chapter 40, verse number 9. Because what does oil mean and why? To us as a Christian, how does it translate? Exodus chapter number 40, verse number 9. Wherever we left off. And thou shalt take the anointing oil, and anoint the tabernacle, and all that is therein, and shalt hallow it, and all the vessels thereof, and it shall be holy. Okay. So, this is instruction for Moses, and what is he doing? This is important. What is he doing to what? He's anointing. He's anointing and it's what? And tabernacle. That's a thing. So it's like over all the people that are there. Like, it's there. And so nope. everybody in the tabernacle. Nope. Nope. He's anointing what? It says there. The tabernacle. And all that is therein. And all. You hollow it. Or in other words, you make it special and unique. Stand apart unlike anything else. All what? It says it right there. And all the... Vessels. What's a vessel? It's a, a cup. cup. A bowl. Anoint a cup. A plate. Yes. Anoint a cup. And what are you doing? So you're anointing it with oil, right? And anointing, we always think of a person because you thinking modern. But let's go back to ancient and where did it start and why? You're anointing a cup. You're putting this oil on it. Says it right in the last. What are we doing? Hallow it to make it like like. like last words. Make it holy. Okay. Hallowed. Yes, is the important part. But it's a word we want to say. We're going to make it holy with oil. We're going to make it holy. 
All right? So yes, you're right. There are vessels, and yes, you're thinking of humans, and we are getting there down the track, but you need to know what is happening. Oil represents making it hallowed, making it holy. So you put the oil on it. Now why? Right? It was an olive oil. It was a mixture of spices and oil. Was it because the tabernacle is like a big celebration of the men of God, so then they wanted to make it all holy? What What was the tabernacle? Anybody it know what's tabernacle? Mobile tent church. It was a mobile church, okay? And what was important about what happened inside? There were. There was. There was an outer court. Oh, okay, sorry. outer court on the outside, yep. And, and then was... there was a... Oh, that? Then the there was like a spot where just the priests go. The priests go, which is called the, the holy place. place. And then the holy of holies, only of one priest could go like once a year. Once and, a year, right. And they had like bells. They had bells on it. And, and they had the Ark of the Covenant. That's what's important. Ark of covenant. And you couldn't go in if you weren't good. Go what was on top? Right. You're, right. You're oh, correct. The angels making a throne. The angels made the throne and God's presence sat on that throne when they set it all up and put the veil of the temple, the curtain, to hide God, which they said was almost an inch thick of like woven wow. material. That's like a lot. Heavy. Yeah. Yes, it's a lot. And it was seriously embroidered. Like think of a very fine embroidered but thick. Okay? So they put that up there because God's glory was so bright. He came and sat down on the top of that Ark of that Covenant. So when God is around, it is important that everything be treated with very special, unique circumstances. And it is holy. What is holy? What does that mean? No, it's not full of holes. God no, it's not like Charlie Brown and the Holy Ghost, where he cuts a bunch of holes in his thing and says, look, I'm the Holy Ghost. Or doesn't say it, but it's there. Yes, I got a rock, right? So what is the word holy? What does it mean? All right, he is holy. So explain to me what makes him holy. Sinless. What? Sinless. Okay, sinless. That's one. That is a big piece of it. You cannot have sin and be holy. Right. So righteousness. Oh, How's that? That was perfect. Right. <laughs> You made me sinless, I did. That was great. Okay? Righteousness, sinlessness. It's more, though, than that. Hmm? Happiness? No, it's not happiness. Cleanliness. Like, like not like on the outside, but on the inside. Okay. Uh, yes, I will put it in there. And I will group those all together. But there's something a little different. Special? No, I, you're getting closer with special. And I was going to use the word... Hallow. Hallow, yes. I was going to use this word. Set apart. Yes, it is. 
Okay? I'm glad you could know that. So, God is so special, so unique, so sinless, righteous, and clean that there is nothing near him. Nothing can approach him. God sits on his throne, and if I was to walk into the presence of God right now, if I could even get there, which I could not without him, but if I was to walk into the presence of God, I could not survive as a human. I'd be dead. Okay? That's what holy means. Strange, huh? But they went in there. But they had to be... You told me the like, things. They had to be, like, completely without... They sin. had to have a... But who, who was? Nobody the was, priests. right? But he really wasn't, right? No. So he had, had to actually priests. offer a sacrifice oh. before he could do it. A sacrifice for all the people and a sacrifice, a personal sacrifice for himself before he could walk in. And even that, if it was not done in an acceptable heart to God that's why they could go through the motion and do it but to set yourself apart okay to be separated was an important thing that is what happens when you anoint something that's before Jesus died so it wasn't like God's got into your heart right right so it was the picture of you will need the blood of a sacrifice to live. These sheep and goats are never going to do it for you. Ultimately, I'm showing you you need it because you can't do it on your own. You cannot reach holiness. You cannot reach perfection. You cannot be set apart without the blood of Christ. That was the whole point of the Old Testament. All the way up. That was the whole picture. It teaches you that you are sinful. We've been learning that in the book of Romans, right? You are sinful. You all have come, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so God stands apart as holy. And he says, nothing without special attention to it, with the things that I tell you and the way I tell you, nothing is holy without doing these things. And I'm going to tell you how to do it. Not that your motions and actions will make it right, but I'm going to tell you how to do it so you approach it with a right heart because God wants the right heart. But I cannot approach God without perfect holiness. And that's how we will be able to be in the presence of God is because of the blood of Christ covering us at all moments. If it was just us saying, hey, I'm not so good, uh, but I'd like to get into heaven. Not even a chance. Not even a chance. And so we're not holy enough to ever do it. But that's why God sent his son. To give us the opportunity to be holy through him. Now here's this wretched old body that does wrong and I make wrong choices and I think wrong ways and I do all this. So how do we get to be holy? Go back to the verse. What did they do with the vessels? Anointed everything. They anointed them with oil. Oil. The mixture. So what do we need? 
Do I need to dump oil on your head? No. So what do we need? Spiritual oil. Which is? Jesus. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That is what we are anointed with. And the Holy Spirit is what Jesus said, when I leave, I will leave you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. He will come and anoint you for what you are made for. He will come inside of you, change you, and make you holy under my blood. Okay? It is a work of God altogether. All right? All together, they create this work, and they do it for a bunch of lousy humans, which is amazing to me. Because here we are, we mess up, we do the wrong thing. Even after he saves us, we don't even know what we're, we're not even thankful for it so many times. We don't do, we don't make good choices. We falter and fail again and again and again and choose wrong things. And God says, I will forgive you. 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 To the point where we're sick of ourselves. And God is still patient with us. Which is beyond comprehension to me so many times it's almost just unbelievable that he would care that much to do it and yet just like the sheep they need all this stuff and they can't do it and here we are all these little surface things in our life happen to us the things that get in that don't seem like much that look for a spot, a weakness, your wet, warm nose, to lay an egg on. And it doesn't seem harmful, that little fly, until it burrows in, it hatches and burrows in because you let it stay there. It burrows in and creates something, and if left unchecked, leads to blindness. There are many things in our life that do the same thing. Surface things don't seem to matter. We watch something on television, a movie. No big deal. It's pretty harmless. There's a couple little things we know shouldn't be in there. But those little things can get in to our brain. Right? They make a passageway. They seem very harmless. They're just flying around. It's nothing. It's a surface thing. Lots of people go through it, don't even see it. And yet certain ones will all of a sudden find a weakness in you. They find a weakness in me. They find a way to get in and to grow and to, and to fly in and get into you. It's good thing it wasn't on your nose. <laughs> That's a good thing. And they find a way to burrow in deep. And a lot of times, they stay long enough to make you blind to what's happening. To yourself. These little surface things, the way you treat a person, the way you kind of go along with a friend. It can be a thousand different things and they're so little. It's like, eh, that wasn't a big deal. But you have to watch and be vigilant in your life. And it's hard to do. And that's why the Holy Spirit is with you. Because he says, I have to do this. How often do they have to put oil on their head? All the time. All the time. 
we got to watch for these things because there's flies all the time. They're constantly trying to get at them. And once they get at them, they get all irritated, all these little Christians. They get irritated about the little stupid surface things. And they let it grow in them. A little bit of jealousy. A little bit of anger. A little bit of frustration. A little bit of discontentedness. And they let it grow. It was just some little surface thing. I didn't get a ride on the train when I was a kid. How come my parents didn't treat me right? You don't talk about it, but it's under the surface. And it grows, and it grows, and it grows. And all of a sudden, you are discontented. Because you let the fly come in, and you let it hatch, and you let it crawl in, and you let it grow. And it's disgusting. And God looks and says, what are you doing? This is so stupid. Why would you let that thing grow inside of you? Because I want to. I'm mad about it. That's what we let it happen. We let it take over us. The stupidest little thing. A fly should not be able to take over a sheep. And yet it can. And they can lose their sight from being so stubborn and I'm not going to let you do anything to me. So the Holy Spirit comes in our life and gives us constant oil on our heads, protecting us, watching us, looking over those little things in our lives to protect us from the long-term things that will grow. He gives us joy. He gives us peace. He gives us patience, right? What are the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness. Self-control, right? Those things is what he gives us daily. And we go out in the world and those things bother us and touch us and we rub up against other sheep who got a little bit of attitude and we get a bad attitude from them because they were nasty. And what's that bad attitude? It's like scab. Keep spreading it around and I keep getting nasty. I'm going to spread it to you because I had a bad day so I'm going to make sure you do. Christians are almost worse at it sometimes than even just people out in the world because they leave each other alone sometimes. But Christians are in each other's face about it. Can't believe you don't do this. Lots of talk behind the scenes. Lots of things people say. And it only creates agitation and not rest, which is what God wants. God wants you to be in that place where you have green pastures and still waters and that you're patient and that you're trusting him and you're doing all the things that he wants a sheep to be and yet sheep are always just looking for something else dumb to do and we do some way to get hurt some way to stroll off some way to be afraid of something that we shouldn't be and he's saying no no trust me come on trust me trust me all right so that is what's happening with the oil he anoints my head with oil. He's protecting me. My cup runs over. My cup runneth over, right? This is a fairly simple thing. When we have the bad attitude, we don't do this. But when we do have a good attitude about this, and this is something that's important in this church, this is why we talk about Thanksgiving for weeks and the display is not just to say, oh, isn't it so wonderful? It's a pretty display. The display is to help you think and say, 
Oh, there are a lot of things in this world. I might not be thankful for weeds. And yet, when you put them in that display, you say, man, that's a really beautiful display. A lot of what is picked out is just stuff from the side of the road to put in to say, all together that makes a beautiful display. Now, we are to be thankful for the things in our life and understand that we are full of things. We are given so much in this life. So much. We have a lot to be thankful for, whether it's our family and friends, our church, uh, our education, the opportunities we have, our homes, our vehicles, our whatever else we have had. Okay? So many things... Christ gives us gifts again and again and again. He gives us things constantly. My cup runs over. So, what about people who don't have it so good? People that have it rough. Because the next verse is, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Do you feel always like God's goodness and mercy is all around you. Not always. Sometimes I'm kind of in a crabby mood. Sometimes I don't feel like being thankful. Sometimes I don't feel like being happy about my life. Sometimes I want to feel sad for myself and how bad it is. Okay? We often fall into the trap. How about people that are dying from cancer? Can they say that? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. They could. I mean, there's nothing so insane. I feel like a lot of people who have a positive attitude with cancer and are Christian do because they appreciate the little things that they have. Appreciate a lot of things. Because I always they, they know that like, other people realize that other people don't have that, and like sooner they won't have it. Right, like oh, some people don't have the money to pay for that type of treatment. Mm-hmm. So, also, I feel like if they have a good attitude, you're gonna live. Like I know this is like, but I feel like you could live longer because you have the will to live. Because could you, be. want, you want to live if you have a good attitude. It could be. And, like, you know. Like but it might thing, not even be, though. Right. Like, like you know, when your spouse dies, mm-hmm. like, sometimes you don't feel like you like should be living without them. So maybe sometimes that's one of the reasons that you die soon after. But. If they have been given a diagnosis of you have... Pick a date. Six months to live. Does that mean that the goodness and the mercy are gone from their life? So what is it that they need to have to have God's goodness and mercy? Well, the Holy Spirit in their life, God's touch in their life, and they need to recognize God's imprint, which is another whole point of Psalm 23. I'm recognizing 
regardless of where I am, even if I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to have fear. People live in fear. And as I approach death, I don't have to have fear. Death is not the final chapter. It seems very final here on earth. And we don't know much beyond it, except we know if we trust in God, if we believe in his promises, have faith in him, he has said, I will be with you. And he's given us even more promises, of which we'll see in just a minute. All right? But if God can walk you through and be with you, even through the hardest times. Because I think about people, we have lived a blessed life. But there are people in history who have lived in terrible times. You go even back into the times when the Nazis did terrible things to people. There were many good, God-fearing people that were tortured and killed. They were lost what they had. And yet... They, if they had, some of them, I'll say this, say it this way, a person like Corey Ten Boom who lost all of her family and lived through torture in that camp was able to look and say, I am so glad we have life in this camp. It's God's mercy that we have life in this camp. And you know Why? Because the guards stay out of the barracks. You have a different perspective on the way things really are. And God's mercy and his grace and goodness is not all in how much you're going to give me. But the fact that he is with you even in the hardest moments with the hardest things to explain, even up until death and through death. So surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And if you believe in the Lord, trust in the Lord, you do not have to fear. First Peter 5, 7, we don't have to go there, but we'll say it just says this, cast all your cares upon him. For he cares for you. You have the goodness and the mercy of God in that regardless of what stresses you have as that sheep wandering around and saying, look at me, look at me, I'm covered in all this stuff. God says, I can help you. I will help you. I've sent my Holy Spirit to help you every day, wherever you are, wherever he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will walk through to the last moment of death with you. And when you die, oh, what a good life. What a better step. And then I'll reward you for being thankful for the good mercy. I'll reward you for leaving behind you. They will follow you all the days of your life. There's another way to look at that. 
When you leave an area, when you leave a relationship, when you walk away, when you go to school and come back, when you're in church and you come back, when you go to your family and you walk out of that situation, do you leave it with the mercy and the goodness of God? Do you leave an imprint because God was with you? Do you act in such a way where you leave peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and love behind you? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You can look at it where God gives it to you, and he does. But you can also look at it as it will follow me as a trail because God leaves an imprint on me. And I leave an imprint behind because of God's goodness to me. Do you leave that behind you? Do you leave an impact on others because of God in your life? Are you leaving goodness and mercy to others? And do others say that about you? It's a thing to think about. And the last piece, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. John 14. Let's go there. John 14, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4. First of all, think at the moment, while you're turning there, about sheep. They return back home. They've been up on the mountains. They've been up in the places where they've been. And finally, they're back on the home farmstead where they came from. The most calm, the most pleasant place to be, the most well-fed, everything's familiar, it's going to be wonderful. That is what Christ said he does for us. First, er, seven, John, chapter 14, verse number 1, 2, 3, and 4, please. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions, if it was not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye now, and the way ye know. Okay. This is his promise to us. Right? Believe. And if you believe... Don't fear. Trust in me because I'm going to make a special place for you. I'm going to make a home for you. There's all kinds of things in my father's house. And I want you to know you are going to feel at home there. You are going to be calm. You are going to be well rested. You are going to be well taken care of. You're going to be in safety. And if you just Believe that I'll do that for you, I will. It's so simple. God's gospel message is so simple. Believe it. That I've got a promise to you. I make a promise to you. I want you to know that I am trustworthy to the very end, he says. And I'm going to make a special place for you. Just have to believe that I'm going to do it. Just have to trust me and who I am. You've known me all along. You've taken a walk with me all the way through, every way, even through the valley of the shadow of death, even through death itself. 
and I never will leave you. I've never left you yet, and I will never leave you through to the very end, and I, you will be with me forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's where I want to go. I want to be in his presence because I know him. And he is going to bring you to a place of comfort and joy and in wonderful things. Gives you blessings, even though we get all irritated about everything. He walked you through from the beginning. He gave you the Holy Spirit. He, gave, he says, just follow me. Just know my voice. That's all I'm saying. Follow me along. And we follow and we watch. And he just protects us and brings us to good places and does all the things all along, even without us deserving it. And at the end, he says, here it is. I'm bringing you home. And so that is the message of Psalm 23. You, in believing God's promises, as simple as they are, Psalm 23, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He made a special place for you, for you, and for you, and for you, and for me. He knows who you are. He knows what you like. He's not making one for you to fit you. He's making one just for you, just for me, because mine's going to be different. Mine's going to look different. Mine's going to be more comforting for me. And he says, I know just what you like. I'm going to make this just for you. So there's such care through life as our shepherd, guiding us, helping us, correcting us when needed, getting us back onto the path, giving us a little bit of or protection with the staff, Okay, with the rod, more like, hey, back on the track here. All right. Helping us walk the whole journey and then bringing us along and rewarding us like we did something wonderful at the end. And yet it was all him. He did all of it. He created all of it. He enabled all of it. He helped you with all of it. And all he's saying is, all I want you to do is believe me. Is that and it's simple, but it's so powerful. The rest of life will fade away, and this will become the whole piece of what you look for someday. So walk the journey now. Know it and believe it. You will be stronger and better, and fear will be gone, and you won't have to worry about things because you will be beside the still waters you will be in green pastures though your enemies will be all around you you will sit and god says let's start, sit down and have a picnic right here and you won't even have to worry because god just protects you he walks you through fiery trials and walks you safely out the other side says, i got it so we learn to have his voice. We learn to see his voice. We learn to be content and seek being content. That's what a sheep is about. Trying to be content and knowing that God takes care of every little detail of our life. All the needs, all the problems, all the irritations, all that we can't get along. He says, all right, I'm helping you through every step of the way. Here it is. Psalm 23, there was a lot you can learn from sitting next to some sheep. And David was a wise, wise man. And he learned a lot from that very simple thing of sitting and watching sheep and saying, huh, there's a lot that is parallel here. I feel like those sheep. Right? David was a wise man and 
one of the very few people ever in history that God says, that is a man after my own heart. That's the one. You, look, you act like him, and you'll be good. Not perfect, but you come after me, and you seek after me, and you constantly follow me. The Lord is my shepherd. Thank you very much. Have a good day.